0: Into every generation there is a chosen one.
1: Uh excuse me, two.
0: One girl in all the world. Two two girls. Who's this guy? She is. This might have been a big mistake. Steak. S T A K E. Like what you kill a vampire with.
1: A Buffy podcast.
0: everybody. Welcome to a new episode A Big Mistake. It's a Buffy podcast. I'm your host, Melissa. Hi, everybody. I'm Aditi. And today we are here to discuss the heart-stopping finale of season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, episode 12, Prophecy Girl. This was a big one. Aditi, how are you feeling? It was great. I thought it was an awesome, really strong
1: ending to the first season. Again, like I don't know a lot about the show intentionally because I try to keep myself in the dark, but you know, generally general consensus is that the first season is the one of the weakest seasons, if not the weakest, but I thought this was a very strong upward trajectory beginning to the rest of the seasons. I really am happy that we got, like, time with all of the various characters. And, yeah, I thought it was great.
0: Okay, let's do the episode summary really fast. A heart-stopping season finale. Buffy wants to resign from her life of slaying when Giles uncovers an ancient prophecy that spells out her deadly fate as the Master's ascension from the Hellmouth is at hand. As the earth begins to crack open, Xander, Willow, and Cordelia face an army of demons and the prophetic end of the world. Meanwhile, Xander finally asks Buffy to the prom, with equally disastrous consequences. <laughs> so for this episode, we see Buffy finally faces the master, mm-hmm. our, our C-suite baddie, and in his honor, I have done some research on the actor who plays him, Mark Metcalf. Let's hear it. Mark Metcalf is best known for his role as sadistic ROTC officer Douglas C. Niedermeyer in the 1978 American comedy film Animal House. Ah. And then he was that character again in the 1984 music videos for the songs We're Not Gonna Take It and I Wanna Rock by Twisted Sister. <laughs>
1: They really had one theme that they did several iterations of.
0: Yeah, they had a singular vision, Twisted Sister. <laughs> <laughs> he w- So, not Twisted Sister, the master, Mark Metcalf. He was also, in two episodes of Seinfeld, he was a person known as The Maestro, and he dated Elaine. Have you seen Seinfeld? Is that a show you enjoy? I have seen snippets here and there. Seinfeld was on at the same time as The Simpsons growing up, and I made my choice.
1: Mm, yes,
0: but I it's it's like close to life because my grandmother used to live in this community in Florida where Jerry Seinfeld's mother also lived. Wow, really? Mhm. Just you know, two Jewish moms in Florida hanging out.
1: Truly, yeah.
0: <laughs> but the most exciting master fact, at least to me is that after his acting days, he moved to Wisconsin to start a restaurant with his wife, or his then-wife. Mm-hmm. He uh, he actually lived in a small town outside of Milwaukee, but he was very involved in the Milwaukee theater scene. Well, well, well. Another feather in the cap of America's greatest city, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Fans, I've never been to Milwaukee, but uh, quarantine has given me a lot of free time to research uh, places to go. And I feel like Milwaukee is just this Midwestern utopia. And I cannot wait to leave this bunker and spend the rest of my life in a city with a Chicago lifestyle on maybe like a a Detroit budget. I'm ready.
1: Yeah, you're... Decision-making calculus was actually very well informed, but one day you just came out of the gate swinging hard for Milwaukee, and I just knew to fall in line. If anybody who listens to the pod knows someone who lives in Milwaukee, please let us know. I would love that.
0: Yeah, come on the show. Tell us about the city. Have you ever had an encounter with Mark Metcalf (laughs) in First Stage Children's Theater, where he (laughs) acted in plays and, and did a bunch of like get the kids involved in acting sort of work, let us know.
1: Uh, you have now joined us for Milwaukee talk. <laughs> Milwaukee talk.
0: Gorgeous, politically stable Milwaukee. Beautiful. Anyway, the master is is like in his either 70s or 90s now. I forgot. He's old now. So he's he is not really involved in the children's theater scene anymore. But he was for a while. And that's nice. It would be nice to live in a city that had that rich history, you know? <laughs> Not like the capital city of Austin, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, speaking of the master, who is always a sleigh, should we get into Slay or Nay? Slay or Nay. There's so much here. There's so much here. Let's start with Buffy. Ugh. I mean, of course. She has one of the most iconic outfits in the entire series in this episode. But I want to first talk about her other sleighs. Every outfit she wears in this episode is completely awesome. The first one, it's back to her true original form. She has a shiny snakeskin miniskirt, knee-high boots, Mm -hmm. looks great, and her iconic sunglasses. Yes. Then... Her second outfit, she has a shirt with gray and white stripes at the top that sort of ties in front. And it looks very, very cool. She wears it with like a leather jacket and pants. Very edgy. And then finally, finally, the look we've all been waiting for. What did you think?
1: The ultimate slay. She looked very beautiful in her white dress. Now I understand completely the reference of our cover art. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Laura Davila once again. I loved it. She looked stunning. I really thought that it played very much to the sacrificial lamb element that was happening in the show, with her all in white, like the purity thing, but then it was subverted because she's a, you know, ass kicker and she takes control of her narrative, which I thought was awesome. She looked great. Uh, the white dress is honestly such a great look. I would totally wear that. I would wear everything she wears, but the white with the leather jacket, it was it was an awesome look.
0: It was. And Sarah Michelle Geller uh, got to keep that dress actually, and she posted a photo of herself in the year of our Lord 2020, stuck at home in the white dress and a leather jacket. Really? Yeah, and she's all dressed up and nowhere to go, and she's stuck in her house, like going through her old stuff.
1: That's so funny. I have to look it up. That's so funny.
0: We'll put it on our Instagram so you guys can see it. But yeah, I I also love this dress and. Like you said, there it's, it's like a pure sacrifice thing and it's also a prom dress and it underscores how she has to choose between being a normal teen and going to fulfill her prophetic duty and it's just the best. She looks so
1: good. Ugh. I also really like the interaction between her and Joyce, which we can get into later, but I thought it was very sweet and we don't get a ton of like Really lovely moments with Joyce and mm-hmm. Buffy so far, but it was it was nice.
0: Yeah, I liked that too. Joyce is great. Who, who should we address next?
1: Uh, let's start with Willow.
0: All right. What do you think about Willow? <laughs> Willow
1: is consistently the most likely to dress like an actual teen on the show, and I love her <laughs> for it. I will say that the spike necklace that she was wearing while Xander was practicing asking <laughs> out Buffy on her, Loved it. Surprisingly edgy from our girl. Willow's chevron bell sleeve sweater, like, God love her. Again, Oof. an outfit that I would have thought was boho chic, but was not. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Everything she wears is so sweet, whereas, like, Cordelia and Buffy look like edgy or sexy or cool. Like, even when Willow is wearing, like, a leopard print skirt, like, it's with tights and tennis shoes. It's it's just, it feels very, like, age-appropriate that she looks a certain way. But I, I you know, I, I love her.
0: Totally hear what you're saying with the age-appropriateness. I mean, I have all of her outfits this episode are egregious nays, but the thing that stuck <laughs> out to me is is that they actually went so far as to put her hair in pigtails in this episode, which mm-hmm. I don't think they've done mm-hmm. before. And it really just underscored how... Young Willow is. She is just so young.
1: And on the other end of the spectrum, I think that (laughs) when they place Sweet Willow next to Cordelia, Mm -hmm. I get real big stepmom energy. Yeah. Like Cordelia dresses like. Someone who married Willow's father uh, with a significant age difference.
0: That is so funny. I can I can definitely see it with her second outfit where she has the cardigan, but she doesn't have a shirt underneath it, (laughs) and she leaves it tastefully unbuttoned.
1: Oh my god! So going to Cordelia, that half button cardigan is so '90s Mm -hmm. hoe. Like you had to be hot, and more importantly, know you're hot to wear that. Yep. Like with great power comes great responsibility to leave that cardigan unbuttoned.
0: Yeah, bless her for stepping up. And to pair it with those high-waisted metallic lavender pants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I loved it. She she really she looked she looked like a model from the
0: 90s. Yeah, I absolutely loved that outfit. And earlier in, in the episode, you see it for only a second, but she has a very simple black cami and then and then a leopard print skirt under not underneath in the normal place at the bottom, you know, for the lower <laughs> half. But yeah, I, I think everything she wore this episode was excellent and underscored that she is so confident, confident enough to drive a car into a building. Ah, uh, just look, y'all. 2020
1: was the year where we felt very downtrodden. Let's say kind of like when Willow was being cafished by Moloch. 2021 We need that Cordelia energy. We need all of y'all to metaphorically or literally wear a half-button cardigan because all of y'all deserve to
0: look hot. We need all of you to drive a car into a building, whether it be your home, a friend's home. We can't air that. No, we'll take this out. Don't do that. Is this how
1: our cult is made?
0: (laughs) Drive your car through a building, into heaven.
1: (laughs) Imagine if we had the star quality to lead a cult. Man.
0: You know how cult followers normally wear, like, drab robes? Ours will just be, Mm -hmm. like, unbuttoned cardigans.
1: You will recognize us by the unbuttoned cardigan.
0: Yeah, we'll lead a cult full of confident sluts.
1: I want to see some belly buttons, y'all.
0: Yeah. The more exposed the midriff, the closer to God.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine having the power of cult. Like... I can't even, like, get people to do, like, normal things for me, let alone, like, leaving their families behind to follow me around a nomadic, half-buttoned existence.
0: Half-buttoned existence.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, you know, Cordelia's great. Like, uh, just aspire to be her in life. In certain ways. Should we discuss my girl, Jenny? Who?
0: (laughs) I loved her this episode. I really did. The The first outfit where she's wearing the plaid shirt, not so much. Very simple. Very teacher. But the second mm-hmm. outfit where she's like cool mom and she's got mm-hmm. like the the stripy cardigan and the black top and skirt. I think that's very cool. Looked great. It's like.
1: Jenny Calendar just dresses like how I want to dress at this age mm-hmm. instead of wearing just an assortment of sweats.
0: I know that... You're trying to be self-deprecating here, but I finally got a pair of nice sweats end of December, and it snuck in like just before the finish line as one of my top moments of 2020. I feel we should all (laughs) wear more sweats.
1: Uh, I'm not being self-deprecating. Easily the best purchase of 2019 was a pair of joggers from Costco. Oh, yeah. That's it. They do a nice swoosh swoosh when you walk. It's the illusion of, of athleticism.
0: Love that. Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Our cult uniform would be a half-button cardigan on top, sweats on bottom, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's perfect for Zoom.
1: (laughs) Yeah, especially for those of y'all who are trying virtual dating, just uh, wear the half cardigan and the sweats on the bottom. They'll never know.
0: They'll never know, but you'll know. And you'll
1: have a confidence that's emanating from a lack of a waistband.
0: Confidence and comfort. That's the big mistake cult way. (laughs)
1: Man, just imagine just a a legion of (laughs) half button cardigan people following us into the dark. (laughs) Yeah, overall, though, lots of looks. Everyone looking great. My boyfriend, Angel, looks great. And uh, no, I will not be taking questions at this point.
0: All right. (laughs) I accept. (laughs) I have one question, though. Like, I know this is against the rules that you have just clearly (laughs) laid out. And I know that you're trying to set boundaries, and I respect that. But I'm just gonna... (laughs) Just one question.
1: We're laying down the cult
0: hard. (laughs) Just one question. (laughs) I thought Angel did look very nice this episode, but he was dressed very formally.
1: Melissa, he was trying to take her to the spring
0: dance. He wasn't. He was lurking in his own apartment and Xander barged in and he was just like fully dressed in a crisp white button down. What were his plans? What was he doing?
1: Maybe he was uh, having an internal uh, reckoning whether or not he should take her to the dance. I don't know.
0: Why would he? He doesn't even go to school. Like doesn't even go here. He doesn't even go here.
1: Here's the thing, though. When you are a 200 plus year old person, you ha- you were socialized with different norms. And I bet you he came from the time when they changed for dinner.
0: Mm, the classic Irish formality that we all know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you seen Downton Abbey?
0: Who was Irish in Downton Abbey?
1: Oh my god, Branson, the driver, who was also very into socialism.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I'm just saying that maybe he felt the need to change, you know, to mark the time.
0: It's after six, what am I, a farmer?
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's after six, what is he, an Irish
0: farmer? An Irish potato farmer?
1: (laughs) I really want to know if at some point in the seven seasons, Angel does an Irish accent, because I think I would just die
0: just wait of um, laughter just wait
1: <laughs> oh, boy. oh boy overall great outfits for the most part and you know the iconic white dress was something that you know is unparalleled
0: mm-hmm. easily the greatest outfit that we've seen on the show so far I yeah. can't think of a more iconic outfit that comes afterwards it's a delight
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you want to do it as a cute Is it cute? Okay, who do you have for is it cute?
1: I have, obviously, the master. Mm -hmm. And I I could be talked into evaluating Giles and or Angel through is it cute lens, because they weren't villains per se, but they were part of the conflict of the story.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Giles and Angel. Okay.
1: Did you think they were cute? Yes, I think that they were. So, okay, I will start with Giles physicality i did think that the like unraveling at the seams matching his attire was cute mm-hmm. because it was rooted in love for buffy like when he that sweet sweet soft-boned anglophile well as he, he's an anglophile can he does he love himself i can't tell but when that soft soft-boned anglo <laughs> pretended <laughs> that he was going to go fight the master i was like this is cute this is wholesome I loved it.
0: Yeah. Personality, personality cute. Okay. Overall cute. We know from episodes prior that this is literally his worst nightmare coming true and mm-hmm. he's already lived through it once and it sucked mm-hmm. and now he has to do it again and so I think his his false bravado at the end. Very cute. Also very cute that uh that Buffy knows That he's going to stand up for her and she comes prepared to physically incapacitate him. Very cute. Loved it. I did not think it was cute that Angel and Giles came together behind Buffy's back in a way to try and determine how to fix this problem for her. And I know that they did it with the best of intentions, but I think she should have been included in that conversation, and I know that they're both much older than her, but <laughs> it feels a lot like two men trying to decide a woman's fate without her, and that's kind of fucked up. It feels benevolent sexism adjacent to me. I think
1: it's also negating the very obvious reality that she is the slayer. Yeah, it's her job to handle it. And also she's like preternaturally talented in this. Like, it, it would be one thing if they were trying to shelter, like, Willow, or you know what someone else but the character of Buffy is someone who is chosen to do this and, and like ostensibly comes with like the power so yeah like to yeah don't love the that they excluded her from that comma and she's better at it than both of you
0: of course it's what she was called to do so yeah they should have at least put her like included her in the discussion because the way she found out was awful
1: yeah not great I also so moving over to Angel, I mean, physically cute, we all know where I stand. <laughs> there were certain moments of the show where I was like, he does look older. Like <laughs> he he does.
0: Yeah, he was, like <laughs> ten years older than her.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like in certain light, you're like, yeah, that's that's an age difference. But um I found what I found not cute and what I found to be a surprising point Xander was when he was moping around just like, oh, she's going to die. I'm going to do nothing to stop it. And Xander it was like, dude, it doesn't have to be that way. We can, we, we, we decide our fate. Not really, but sure. <laughs> and I thought that that was point Xander and not cute of Angel to stand by.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think uh, the gumption that Xander shows, very cute. Very cute. Gumption cute. Gumption cute. 100%.
1: Shall we shall we move on to the master?
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> His nails were looking great as always. As always. You know,
0: he he's funny. Like he's just funny. Just such an enjoyable person to watch. A man about yeah. town.
1: I wish they had done a little more banter, but I guess he didn't he didn't want to. That's fair.
0: Personality
1: Mostly cute, although he was a little aggressive to Buffy, which I guess was his need. And physicality, very cute. I love the nails.
0: I love the nails. I loved, especially when you see him in the sunlight, how mm-hmm. he looks sort of like with with how pale he is and how he has those red eyes. It really mm-hmm. calls to mind an albino animal. <laughs> You don't really see that when he's under the ground and it's more accentuated yeah. when he's out in the sunlight. I thought that was really really cool or not the sunlight, but the the surface level light, the non-underground light. Loved loved that. Loved that he really got to be excited about something. We've always seen him when things are going wrong for him and we get to see him revel in success. And I think it's really important to acknowledge your successes when you're running a business, you know? Yeah. The way he just like unabashedly loved the earthquake, very wholesome. The way yeah. he was literally doing a Mr. Burns where he was on a high ledge just like making a, a little <laughs> <laughs> a little uh steeple with his fingers surveying his his earth that he Dis- was about to disrupt. Destruction. Yeah. Yes. I I loved it. I love the master.
1: Oh, wait. And you know what? I just realized, I think we should include Colin, the anointed one, in our evaluation of cute. Okay. I'm gonna say sorry to this man, because he is now a man. Whoever played Colin is now a man. But I'm gonna say not cute on both accounts. Not cute, physical, whatever. But personality, definitely not cute. That little creepy kid when he was standing out there like, here, Buffy, let me lead you to Hades. Down the river sticks. It was very weird.
0: So yeah, I'm gonna agree with you. Personality not cute. I feel like it is inappropriate for me to say that a child is anything but cute. So I, I just I, damn. I don't... You're gonna
1: leave me out here to, on the ledge. <laughs>
0: damn, Melissa. It's just not something I can say publicly. Privately, bye, I think bye. we know how I feel. You know I what? Feel. You know what? You know what?
1: Y'all, you don't even <laughs> want to hear the things she says when we're not on mic. <laughs> You don't know want to hear.
0: You don't want to hear how ugly I think this child is. I don't think he's ugly.
1: I just think that beautiful is also a function of what your soul is.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah, because his soul is is annoying and dumb. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> when he tries to do that thing where he's like, "Oh, I'm a scared kid. Wow, 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 help me!" And Buffy is just like, "Shut up." We both know why we're here. Really appreciated that. I also like that he was like, oh good, I can drop this charade. Come stroll with me. <laughs> See, that anointed one I like. You know
1: what? I'm getting my good name slandered. What? <laughs> I wanna say on the record, I love children, even white children.
0: Brave. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll talk after we're done recording about what we really think of Colin.
1: Sign up for our Patreon to find out what we really think. All children are cute, I agree, but to quote my father, one in a hundred are annoying.
0: Oh, I think maybe it might be a little more. I won't say which (laughs) ones. (laughs) And now, a word from our sponsor.
1: Friends, do you need a date to the prom? Do you want better options than your friend's own pal or a man of indeterminate age who only texts you at night? Well, look no further than Rent-A-Date. Sunnydale's one-stop shop to ensure you never miss a spring fling or a night at the bronze. Rent-a-Date ensures all of their meat boys to be punctual, polite, and most importantly, composed of 100% grade A certified human DNA. They have several attractive models to choose from. Jovial jock, bookish and British, naughty nerd, and our most popular prototype, the Emily Dickinson fanboy. Mention Big Mistake to get 15% off your first rental. Rent-a-Date. Snag a date without the date snagging you
0: let's get into it so it begins in the bronze and and xander is going on this monologue about how he feels romantic feelings towards someone and we see willow's face and we're like twist but then we realize that he is practicing for what he's going to say to buffy and it's so sad.
1: Yeah. I did like the Wonderwall song playing in the background. Really added a sense of authenticity to this high stakes moment. Yeah. Yeah. I did not love that for Willow. But again, Willow Willow's great. She just, she did what she had to do.
0: We see her handle this love triangle with such grace and strength later on in this episode. And... It speaks volumes about how much she has learned from her experience with Malcolm, that she tolerates being in this situation where Xander is practicing on her, which, you know, maybe she wouldn't have the patience for later in life when she's an adult. But she also knows enough to set hard boundaries with him later in the episode. And good for her. That was an awesome scene yeah she she respected herself. That was great. yeah.
1: so then we have a short scene with Cordelia. and I want to say it was Mitch, but again, my skill set in recognizing people is not very good.
0: It was not Mitch. but I don't think you're to blame for this. it's it's another white goon who looks exactly like Mitch. <laughs>
1: he had the spirit of Mitch. yeah, you know
0: <laughs> this is a different mannequin basically that is swapped out for an identical mannequin (laughs) this cordelia love interest is named kevin (laughs) no i'm not sure how we jumped from mitch to kevin i guess mitch was permanently disfigured from the bat and so cordelia was like you know this is not good for my brand and she moved on
1: (laughs) do you know what this reminds me of this reminds me in daria when quinn is always dating joey jeffy jeffy or jamie yeah (laughs)
0: So, so we see Cordelia and Kevin in the car, and it's it's a real horror movie trope where oh, there's yeah, yeah, yeah. a pair of teens making out in a car, and then the, the female teen hears something, and the male teen is like, come on, baby, let's French, and then they get <laughs> ax-murdered. But again, this show loves to turn tropes on their heads. It's just like in the very first episode when Darla was sneaking into the school and she was like, oh no, are you sure it's safe in here? And then she turns into a vampire and she's like, you're trapped in here with me, the Watchmen style. But this is very reminiscent of that where it starts out where you think a girl, a young girl is in danger, but it turns out that she is either the danger or the source of power fighting the danger. It's like a nice little symmetry that they have that in both the first and last episode of the season.
1: You're right. You're right. It was another vampire, but our girl takes care of it. And I think she said it's like, you know, the third one most recently. So there seems to be an uptick of vampires in the area. Mm -hmm. Getting rowdy. It is an ominous trend. And then we have the earthquake. The master is just living. (laughs) The master has transcended to an upper echelon of sales like he is just bringing home far more than his quota he is just you know he's he's changing he's changing the game
0: the master like any true startup ceo just revels in chaos this is where he thrives in in this most chaotic time this
1: is true disruption yeah
0: (laughs) uh the master is funny i i will say that i laughed in this scene he's a he's a delight and like I think the prosthetic that he has to wear like his prosthetic teeth give him a slight lisp because
1: yeah he's
0: whenever he's yelling he he's yelling yes yes but he can't pronounce it correctly and it just tickles me every time
1: and then his little his little protege Colin just watching taking notes mm-hmm. one day
0: this is how you celebrate
1: hmm. <laughs> write that down So we have that scene and we then believe that Hellmouth is opening up.
0: So then we get to this very important scene where Xander takes Buffy to a bench and then swings one leg over to sit like he's a youth pastor (laughs) and professes his love to her. What did did you think about that?
1: Really quickly, Mm -hmm. is this before or after we have our baby girl Willow saying nerds are cool? Because I loved it.
0: oh Nerds are still cool, I think. Nerds are cool. So, the the way Xander handles rejection in this episode has been a topic of conversation for the fandom, I think. Okay. I am a Xander apologist in a lot of ways. <laughs> I will shamefully admit that. <laughs> but his reaction here, I don't think is that bad i think he is a 16 year old boy and i don't think a lot of 16 year olds have have the control of their emotions or the emotional intelligence to handle rejection like that gracefully and i think we've seen him be a lot crueler to other women on this show than he has been to buffy which is really not an excuse like that's a shitty defense but I think it's it's a natural reaction in a lot of ways to feel hurt by someone and then immediately lash out at them. And so I think that kind of slipped out, but like I don't think he went as hard as he could have.
1: Yeah, and I think like he's an insecure kid and so obviously his first thought is, "Well, you prefer someone else." Like that's a very logical step to have.
0: Yeah. He never said anything to attack her. Personally, he was just like, well, you like Angel and that sucks. I really don't think like
1: it was as egregious as other things. Like, for example, I think trying to get Willow to be his second string is more egregious.
0: Yeah. I don't I don't think I can defend that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't Xander apologize for that one.
1: I think it's interesting because like his reaction is maybe not condoned, but is understood. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I think like it's a very human response. Yeah, and uh, I I hear what you're saying, but yeah. So he he has that reaction, and then we go back to Giles looking pressed and stressed. God, poor guy, <laughs> poor Giles. But then the return of one of my favorite characters, Miss Calendar, Miss Liz Carpenter. Love so much
0: i just love that she has this underground network of techno pagans that just send her weird shit that happens i love that
1: yeah (laughs) she has like some priest on standby in italy
0: uh she has brother luca on standby from cortana where mollusk is from
1: exactly exactly look at her she made friends in this in this process as well yeah
0: she formed lasting relationships I mean, he disappeared, so he's probably dead now. But the friendship was nice.
1: Yeah, I loved the global mailings about a prophecy. Thought it was great. But overall, uh, my son Rupert is not doing well, and he's coming—he's <laughs> coming apart at the seams.
0: Poor Giles. So then we go to Cordelia and Kevin, who seem to genuinely like each other. He's a step up from Mitch, I would say—a
1: Mitch above the rest.
0: <laughs> so we go to Xander who's throwing a tennis ball at the wall like he's stuck in solitary confinement in a prison (laughs) and he does this hey willow maybe we can go to the dance it'll be fun two buds and she basically is like xander you know better than this Mm -hmm. like with one line of dialogue she twists the whole situation on its head and tells him that like she is handling this so much better than he is. You know what I mean?
1: Like, I saw that and I was like, sir, do not disrespect a queen forever, Willow. Mm-hmm. She had more grace and composure and firmness than most young people do at her age. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, good for her. I loved that moment.
1: Love that for her.
0: This is this is a rough episode on everyone. Buffy has a very we all float moment. Uh, the sink has blood coming out of it. And she goes to tell Giles, and she overhears him and angel arguing about the codex. and Giles says, tomorrow night, Buffy will face the master and she will die. Did you cry? Did you cry?
1: I feel like I feel like I could have. I thought I did write down that like, like Sarah Michelle Geller's acting in this part was really well done. Mm-hmm. I thought that this was probably the most emotional part of the show second to probably for me when um when you
0: saw the back tattoo
1: <laughs> we're talking sad emotions not other emotions oh.
0: <laughs> not inside the joggers emotions
1: <laughs> please my Costco joggers <laughs> <laughs> I think second to for me at least when when she feels like she's let Joyce down that was emotional and then obviously like what you know her dad's stuff but then that was obviously in a dream so I think like the weight, was a little less heavy, but this was very emotional. I did not cry. Did you cry?
0: When I watched it today, I did, but I think it's just because I'm in a state. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yeah, there's, um, there's some stuff in later episodes that I will readily admit to weeping over, but this was not one of them. I thought it was very well acted.
1: It was a stake through my heart because the character of Buffy has that self-awareness that she has got so much left to live and i think like a a young person who maybe didn't have the same complexities as she had would have maybe just gone straight to like anger but she's just gone straight to like sadness and straight to like genuine grief over her life ending because this is this is the consequence of having this you know this prophecy placed upon you
0: and i just want to point out that the reason that the first season only has 12 episodes is because the show that was previously in this time slot on the wb was canceled mid-season so this was like a mid-season filler so there was no guarantee that it was going to get more seasons so for the audience watching at the time like now obviously we know that there's seven seasons and a comic book and a whole bunch of stuff but at the time like this was a real genuine thing that could have happened like there was no guarantee that she was coming back so it's intense Yes, it, it it was a stake through our heart. I do want to point out also that Angel once again tries to make it about him in this scene, even though Buffy is literally the one who was dying. He tries to <laughs> say like, you don't think this is hard for me? Yeah, well, he's had more life to live. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. You said it like it meant something.
1: I don't know. I don't know. No, it's, it's, uh, it's indefensible. <laughs> Look, we all are apologizing. You know what? You know what this show has taught us? The patriarchy always wins because you are a Xander apologist mm-hmm. and I'm an angel apologist. And in reality, neither of us should
0: be apologizing for these damn men. That is true. That is so true. We are two sides of the same dick coin. That is that is what is happening here.
1: <laughs> if only we put down our weapons and joined arm in arm, this cult of Cordelia could take over the world. No dicks allowed. <laughs> Damn, this is this is a powerful realization.
0: Yeah, and we are both master apologists.
1: Truly, truly. How
0: embarrassing for us. This whole episode has been a big
1: mistake. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah, I I agree that uh, the this episode, this, yeah, scene was good. I did not cry, but I expect I fully expect to at some point. It'll get you. Cutting to a scene that did not make me cry was <laughs> Xander and his Patsy Klein. I <laughs> was like, all right, sir, you're fine. But I thought it was funny.
0: The music of pain.
1: Yes, I know. How did that make you feel as a Texan?
0: I don't really feel much emotional attachment to country music but you know if if that's what he needs to you know let those those feelings manifest in a healthy way climb on friend
1: <laughs> a big pat on the back for him
0: big patsy on the back climb on you <laughs> crazy diamond that's good
1: uh, okay so we are next in the scene in Buffy's room uh, where Buffy and Joyce have, I think, a very sweet and wholesome and honest conversation, or as, as honest as she can be with the circumstances, mm-hmm. and she and Joyce unveils the dress, the dress. which is beautiful. I also, side note, really like what Joyce was wearing. I loved the stripe with the denim pullover. She looked awesome.
0: It reminded me a lot of what Buffy wears in Nightmares. Actually, I, I noted that too.
1: Like mother, like daughter. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I really liked the little anecdote that Joyce told about her own prom experience where she went by herself and she snaked Buffy's dad the treacherous hank away from his actual yes. prom date
1: she did she she slanged a man
0: good for her young joyce could get it
1: <laughs> young joyce was definitely wearing a half button cardigan if you know what i mean mhm
0: mhm and not the half you're thinking of
1: <laughs> god bless uh, does Joyce ever, like, get her groove back? Do we ever see her, like, date?
0: There is a specific episode where we will learn about what Joyce was like as a youth. I don't want to give too much away about the future of the show, but we learn a little bit about Joyce's past and, yeah, I don't want to say anything else. <laughs>
1: that's 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 all we need to know. Yeah. Great.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I just thought it was very sad that Buffy is literally worried about life and death and Joyce thinks it's about prom because she's 16. It's just such a good juxtaposition of, like, the problems she's expected to have versus the problems that she does have and yeah. how well she manages all of that. Good for her.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point.
0: Okay, so then next we go to the school where Willow and Cordelia are working together to set up audio equipment for prom, but Kevin hasn't shown up yet, and it is because vampires have killed them, and it's very bloody, and they do this slow zoom on this Looney Tunes cartoon with a bloody handprint on the television screen, and again, it's, you know, they're supposed to be high schoolers worrying about the prom, and they're so young, and Willows in pigtails, and there's this like Looney Tunes cartoon, but it's mixed with all this horrible death. And also, my grandmother gave me a tape of the Looney Tunes, and that cartoon was on it. And so, that is an actual scene from my actual childhood that they put that bloody handprint on. So, I've always been a little bit Man. freaked out by that scene.
1: Not, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> The stuff of literal nightmares. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that scene was again the show. From my very limited knowledge, really, really goes there. Like it's not afraid to just just do it with with respect to the fact that it's like a show for teens and you know, not like prestige television or whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those boys are all uh killed.
0: Dead as fuck.
1: Yeah. Poor Willow is pretty traumatized. She looks like super affected by it considering all the stuff they've gotten into this year like this was like the line
0: yeah that was exactly what i was going to bring up is that it's interesting to see what affects them and what doesn't because there have been many times when evil has come into the school before and it never seemed to bother them before but what seems to be upsetting about this one is that they had fun doing it yeah so yeah yeah it's it's interesting And of course, she has to be very affected because Willow and and Buffy's relationship with Willow is what convinces her that she has to put a stop to this and she has to face the Master even if it means she dies. Aww, friendship. Cute, but also deadly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the Master is about to be promoted. He put in his time. He stayed, you know, the late nights. He hustled. He worked smarter and harder, and now he's ready to be promoted.
0: Yeah, he's a uh, he's a uh, higher up now. Aha <laughs> <laughs> So
1: we have this like scene in the library between Giles and Buffy, and obviously our girl techno pagan lady is there, and Giles is like. I have to do this. I have to protect you. And I was like, oh, God, Giles, my heart. It was very sweet. And then she just (laughs) clocked him. And I was like, all right.
0: And Miss Calendar is just like, cool, okay. Like, (laughs) no problem.
1: Yeah, I loved it. It was a very elegant solution to a very messy problem.
0: Yeah, and we, we learn a little bit more about the problem. Jenny kind of lays it out for us. If the master escapes, the hell mouth is open, and the demons pop out, and the world ends. So this is bigger than just the Master versus Buffy. This is, like, literally the apocalypse. <laughs> yes.
1: Yep. So she she clocks poor sweet Giles and is like, I got this. I'll see you when I see you. And she walks out looking phenomenal with her dress and her jacket and her crossbow. And then she runs into baby Colin doing some in-person recruiting.
0: Yeah, I thought it was so badass of her to just be like it's okay we're doing this and they just yeah she's such a pro she is a pro and the fact that she knows she's walking to her death and she is doing it anyway just really when she says to jenny jenny says if you go and you meet the master you're gonna die and she says i know maybe i'll take him with me like we should all have uh such disregard for our own safety if it means killing an evil overlord.
1: Yeah. I think the next scene of importance that we should talk about is the scene between Xander and Angel.
0: Yes. Xander is like I will not just sit idly by and watch this happen and he runs to Angel's house where Angel is just lounging in his formal wear. <laughs> so I I apologize to the fans. I watched this episode right before we recorded this so I didn't have time to do a lot of research but there seems to be some statue with some sort of religious significance in Angel's home. And it it looks to be Asian somehow, but I don't know specifically from where or from what religion. And I just think the Asian mysticism in this show is very <laughs> pronounced.
1: It's pretty ham-handed. Yeah, there was like... Um... A Hindu god, like, little statue on Giles' table, Mm -hmm. and I was like,
0: for what? Yeah. Okay. Why, just, like, throw it in there? It seems (laughs) exotic.
1: Yeah, it seems mystical and mystical.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It can shake its ass and watch itself.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, he was, it was after six, so he was obviously dressed well, while he was brooding, brooding style, looking great while brooding. But, you know, brooding is not going to save your girl, buddy. So, uh, yeah, I was a uh, tentatively team Xander on that one.
0: You know, I, I think this really reflects how we are we are both victims of the same problem. Because <laughs> Angel and Xander have this discussion where Xander says, at the end of the day, you're just a vampire. And he's not wrong. And Angel says, you're only doing this because you're in love with her. And he's not wrong. Like <laughs> they are both right. Everything is bad. Yeah. I guess that's not <laughs> fair. Everything contains both good and bad.
1: Yeah. Buffy should just date Mitch. He seems pleasant.
0: No, Mitch is ugly now. <laughs>
1: Don't oh, yes, you he's just ugly and therefore not deserving of our time. Yeah. <laughs> therefore not cute.
0: <laughs> Mitch is ugly, therefore not cute. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, the complicated calculus that we have to determine whether something is cute, it's really important. There are a lot of variables that come into play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's like a multivariate regression. Like, we have to hold constant for the 90s. We have to determine, like, is it cute or is it sexy, which is cute but not cute? Is it, like, Cordelia who straddles the line? The the the, the math is there.
0: In conclusion, we are very smart. <laughs> sign up for our
1: patreon
0: (laughs) sign up for our cult (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay let's see so finally the big moment has arrived Buffy is creeping into the master's office she is going in through the sewers there's candlelight it's very flattering she looks so good like that imagery is so iconic I love it So much. She finally faces the master. And and meanwhile, vampires, a whole horde of them, have descended upon Sunnydale High. So back in in the boardroom. So the master gets Buffy in his clutches, takes a little sip of neck juice, (laughs) and then drops her face down in a puddle of cave water. I guess that was the pond he was skipping stones in earlier. Good foreshadowing. (laughs)
1: yeah so basically we learn that the entire time we think that Buffy is sent down to be the slayer but no she's the lamb the sacrificial lamb and so then the master is like look you're all part of our growth strategy you all play an important role in getting us there thank you for playing your part we are a family
0: we are a family, and then he leaves her to die. <laughs> what a commentary on capitalism.
1: Feels right, man. Feels good, man. <laughs> Feels nothing, man. <laughs>
0: We're dead inside, man. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Buffy. Mm-hmm. Inside and outside. she She's drowning right now. Mm-hmm. And, and the master is free to disrupt the earth. Yes. So Angel and Xander find her, and... As noted in the previous episode, Angel doesn't breathe. So Xander is the one who has to save her. And my Xander apology stops here. He is a hero for saving her. But the only reason he is a hero is that he is breathing. That is like the lowest possible bar. He's there and he's alive. It could have been literally (laughs) anyone except for Angel. (laughs) Yeah,
1: you know. (laughs) the the moment of bravery has passed and Xander returns
0: no I mean I don't think he does anything wrong like he does the right thing I just he gets a a hero edit for doing the least you know his his only power is that he's there and he tries and I think that's inspirational for a lot of us without any um talents or powers like myself but in the show, I feel you, like... You, my
1: dear, are no Xander. Oh,
0: thank you. You are a calendar, because
1: you know how to use the internet. Oh. You're a willow, because you're smart and you're pithy. And you are definitely got a little Cordelia in you, because you can rock a half-button
0: cardigan. That is the nicest thing anyone has ever said to me. Thank you.
1: I feel it. I feel it. Speaking of which... That scene where our girls come out and they see the vampire zombies, you know, like surrounding them and potentially accosting them. And then all of a sudden you see my girl, Cordelia, saving the fucking day. Mm -hmm. She pulls up in the car. I loved it. I was like, yeah, this is this is what I'm here for. This is good.
0: Say what you will about Cordelia. She always understands the gravity of a situation and how it pertains to her. Like, Mm -hmm. she knew to get (laughs) Buffy because shit was intense. She knew the stakes immediately and just drove through the school.
1: Good for her. Like, if your best interests and hers line up, you're good. If they're not, sorry. Mm -hmm. But (laughs) as long as you're in alignment,
0: you're going to be fine. Yeah, be the car, not the school. There you go. Yeah.
1: I think the coolest part of the episode was when we have Buffy strutting to the theme music with Angel and Xander a little bit behind her. Mm-hmm. She looks so cool.
0: I was like, all right, this is cool. Yeah, she <laughs> looks so good. Do you do you want to go as matching Buffy's for Halloween this year if we can leave our homes? Yes. For a second I was like, do you want me to be Xander and or Angel while you're Buffy? What? No! Uh, I, this is
1: a better... No! <laughs> This is better yeah yeah absolutely i would love that uh i would even be cordelia if i could find that todd oldham dress
0: (laughs) that horrible dress
1: (laughs) so i love that and now we are at the the highlight the crux of the drama when everybody's basically in the same area and we we have the final showdown
0: yes we have the final showdown buffy says another iconic line i may be dead but I'm still pretty. Perfect. Amen. 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 I would I would hope so. I
1: I will say another cute moment was when this fucking three-headed monster, like this skinny job of the hut situation mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere and all of a sudden you see the master at a point of elevation and he just like gently claps.
0: I thought it was lovely. I, he is so, his joy is just so pure. He loves it. Yeah.
1: If only he was taught to use his powers for good.
0: Like you said in the earlier episode, I wish we got more master backstory. Why does he leave a skeleton when none of the others do? Why does he take such joy in being evil? I guess it's because he's a vampire, but why is he like extra vampire? I don't know. I love him. I would watch a spinoff. With just the master hanging out in dope as fuck city, Milwaukee. What if
1: we watched a show about the master, but it was like the office, like he was Michael <laughs> Scott?
0: Yeah, it's it's like their office in the sewers of Milwaukee. Milwaukee is non-negotiable.
1: <laughs> we get a tax credit for filming here.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would love that. I would love that. Darla is the Pam. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Who who would Colin be? Colin would be Dwight. Oh, yeah. Colin would be Dwight. Mm.
1: Yeah. So then we have the iconic fight between Buffy and the Master, where she says the great line, you have Kool-Aid mouth.
0: Yeah, you have Fruit Punch Mouth. Fruit Punch Mouth, excuse me.
1: Kool-Aid, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was thinking about cults.
0: Yeah. Always on that cult shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she, there are so many good lines in this episode. She says, you love hell so much go there and then she throws him through a skylight onto a a loose wood shard that was awesome Mm -hmm. that was that was awesome yeah yeah she's just very clever the way that she defeats people she she is and and then they all decide to have some good old-fashioned teenage fun and go to the prom she can have it all she can avert the apocalypse and look great in a dress and go to prom I loved the last scene where
1: you had just everybody. You had Xander, you had Angel, you had Willow, you
0: had... Did you say Willow?
1: <laughs> God damn it, no, I said Willow. I have been appropriately chastised for having my white name, Aphasia.
0: I love your white name, Aphasia.
1: <laughs> it's, it's one of my more charming uh, offenses. You had Miss Carpenter. You <laughs> <laughs> had... You had... You had Giles, you had Cordelia, like everybody, everybody who's anybody was there. And I loved that. And I love that, like, the tone of the show, like, I'm sure it'll change as the show progresses, but the tone was really well hit at the end because it is like a teen show, mm-hmm. you know, like it could have ended like really darkly and like, you know, the prophecy or whatever. But there was levity like, let's let's party.
0: I loved it. I loved this episode. I think this was the most emotional episode so far. I think all of the difficulties that they have hinted at over the course of the first season, like Buffy just wanting to be a normal girl and Xander having an unrequited crush and Willow having an unrequited crush, they all came to a head in this episode. And I think they were all handled well and appropriately. I love this finale. I've got to say, like, Usually when I rewatch this show, I just skip over season one, but I have had a lot of fun watching Aww. it for this podcast, and it's a lot better than I have given it credit for.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to hear your thoughts overall on season one and what you're excited about moving forward.
0: Well, I, I do think because I have seen the series, the whole thing, I, I can say that season one is probably the weakest. But I think that is to be expected of any show when they're just, you know, everybody is getting used to it and finding their voices. I think that they really covered a lot of stuff in this first season. Like they they really built a comprehensive universe in the show, which I think deserves a lot of respect. I think there were some issues with the writing at the beginning, or at least with the writers and the actors getting on the same page some of the dialogue that Buffy says in the beginning feels a little forced but I think there's <laughs> there are a lot of things in the script like slang that Sarah Michelle Geller was unfamiliar with and she sort of had to learn that Joss Whedon California fake language that they use sometimes <laughs> and I think that the writing was unequal in places like the pacing was off in places there were a lot of episodes that were just kind of filler in a row and I think maybe the order could have been different But yeah, great job. Great setup. Great character development, I think, for a 12 episode first season. Solid work. Loved it.
1: Yeah, I would say my thoughts on season one overall were, I think I went in with really low expectations. So I was pleasantly surprised. I would say the best part of season one was the character development, Mm -hmm. hands down. I was not as fond of this story of the week. I because I think stories of the week need investment in characters that I didn't have yet. And so I think I was a little less invested in like the the pacing of the show overall in the season. But I think that the acting is fun. and I think that, like, the drama is done well, the supernatural components are done well, the teenage stuff is done well. I think it's also prob it's a fun show to watch at this point because enough time has passed that it does feel like kind of retro to watch it from this point of view, like especially like you know episodes with like technology and the fashion and stuff. So I think it's like a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. But the investment in the characters makes it like makes it makes it from feeling like it's a completely like stale engagement. So I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to getting into season two onwards. I'm I think I know that it will be um, a different and perhaps you know more more cohesive uh, storytelling experience. Yeah.
0: Oh man, I'm so excited. We did it. We did it. Oh, we we need to rate the episode. Oh, obviously <laughs> high stakes.
1: Obviously. Obviously.
0: Oh. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> We did it. We did it. Fans, thank you for sticking with us for the whole first season, if that's what you have done. Don't tell us otherwise if you haven't.
1: Thank you so much. I can't believe that when we started, we thought we would be out of quarantine by now.
0: Yeah, what a fun little project to get us through the two weeks of quarantine. (laughs) 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 Thank God there's seven seasons of this show.
1: Truly, truly. Yeah, I'm excited to traverse this journey with you, and thank you for introducing me to a very fun TV show.
0: Yes, I'm so glad that we can go on this journey together. And and fans, if there's anything that you liked or did not like, or want to see more or less or any of, please let us know.
1: Yeah, yeah. Thanks, y'all. This has been so much fun. Please stick around for season two. I'm sure our takes will get spicier and my white nemophagia will get worse. It sure
0: will. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't know if you've heard, but we are considering dabbling in in cultism. <laughs> Not occultism. Just just cultism. Just occult. So if you're interested, let us know. We are happy yep. to accommodate you. America's next top cult. America's next top cult. All it costs is your savings.
1: <laughs> oh man. All right, y'all. See y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another fantastic episode of Big Miss Steak. If you have any messages for us, or if the apocalypse comes, beep us at BigMistakePod on Twitter and Instagram, or at bigmistake@gmail.com. at gmail.com. That's
0: B-I-G-M-I-S-S-S-T-A-K-E. Catch you the bronze!